This is Defenders TV Podcast, where we are looking at Marvel's Defenders Luke Cage recap, part two. You think I'm holding back? Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to this episode of Defenders TV Podcast, where we are recapping Marvel's Luke Cage in light of Season 1 and also uh, in light of the Defenders series as well, where all the four street-level heroes came together to kick some hand ass. (laughs) So, on with the show. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Great to have that intro music back again. Uh, We don't give Mississippi McDonald enough credit for that theme tune. I think that's the best he's done. I love hearing that theme tune at the start of our Luke Cage coverage. And we're a couple of weeks away from season two of Luke Cage. And I'm your third host, Chris. We're going back to Harlem, gentlemen. Mm -hmm. Uh Yes, Geo Coker is taking us home. Back to Harlem. Yes, welcome back to the fellow defenders for our uh, discussion about Luke Cage. Uh, the reason why we're doing this is because we did the original Luke Cage recap for season one and discussed where he ended off that show. But there were a couple of things that happened in Defenders, which are really important to know before you get into season two. We know some of our listeners don't don't follow all of the shows. Uh, some of them just follow things like Luke Cage. So if you didn't get the chance to actually watch The Defenders, here's a couple of really important things. These are spoilers for The Defenders, but a couple of really important things to remember. Or if it's been a long time since you watched Luke Cage, there's a couple of things that we need to uh, need to talk about before we get into season two. Yeah, so if you are looking forward to the second season of Luke Cage, then please head on over and subscribe to Defenders TV podcast over on your podcast catcher of choice. There is Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or any other good podcast catcher that you can get through our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Any feedback, discussion for all things Luke Cage, um, you can send them to us at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com, or you can join our Facebook group, where, as always, we will be putting up spoiler-filled posts but it will be protected from giving out spoilers uh, as it shows up in your feed. So head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Defenders TV podcast and come on over and join the group of fantastic fellow Defenders that love talking about these heroes. And of course, you can also join our Facebook page as well. Just search Defenders TV podcast. Yes, but we'd also love to hear your dulcet tones on this podcast, if you will, with us. Why not record your feedback through the website at DefendersTVPodcast.com or email us actually your feedback if you don't want to. You just want to make your point heard at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Okay, lads, I think it's about time. Let's jump in and replay our discussion of Luke Cage Season 1 and then we'll be back with our discussion of where Luke ends up at the end of Defenders before Luke Cage Season 2 kicks off. Onto our screens on June 22nd. I kind of, for the listeners here, what we're going to do is quickly talk about the, the showrunner, the directors, the, the kind of the guys who brought this all together. We're going to give a quick season synopsis of what everything kind of happened. We'll discuss some of those points. We'll discuss the main themes of what we liked and didn't like across this season. Uh, and then 
topping it all off at where our characters are at the end. Basically, where is Luke? Where are the supporting characters as we come into uh, August 18th and they all show back up on our screens? Mm-hmm. So this was a this was an interesting um, series, guys, wasn't it? This was so different from what we had previously gotten with the Marvel Netflix shows. Yeah, absolutely. And also Luke Cage was another backdoor pilot, similar to what we talked about with the Daredevil show, where it was heavily focused on uh, Punisher. He actually appeared in Jessica Jones uh, and had quite a significant role throughout Jessica Jones and then got his own show afterwards. But what's fascinating about this, I don't think we can start talking about the show at all without talking about the showrunner. Um, more than any of the other showrunners, Chio Hadari Coker, who ran, uh, who ran Luke Cage, really put a stamp on this show and made this show completely his own. Uh, he comes from a music background. He's a music journalist who'd done um, Southland, the TV show. He'd done a bit of that before. Um, this was his own show, and it really felt like this was a show defined by its music and by its situation in Harlem. Absolutely. Um, he really did um, add some amazing music to the shows that resonated with the themes and with the place of Luke Cage and in Harlem. Absolutely. Everything from choosing the titles of each episode from Gangstar songs uh, that were all out through the 90s, um, everything from that to the to a moment with having uh, having artists standing on stage singing songs in the central club location uh, throughout Luke, Luke Cage. It just seemed infused by music. And uh, that's what a lot of people say Harlem is like. It's a, it's just a place infused with music. So absolutely the right person to run the show. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can't agree more that this whole show has been so musically influenced to the point where we actually have, for example, Method Man turning up in an episode mm-hmm. and having the banter with Luke in a coffee, not even a coffee shop, I believe it was Delicatessen That's at the just time. A, just a normal bodega, yeah, a normal uh, yeah. corner, shop, corner yeah. shop, yeah. I love that moment because it is, it's it's like Luke Cage fanboying with one of his favourite artists, which is a real, you know, it, it's, it's exactly what music journalists love doing, it's exactly what music fans love doing, the idea of just bumping into uh, to your local, your favourite artist from the 90s, you know, uh, and having that moment with him that was really cool. But John, do you want to tell us what they gave us overall with the season synopsis for Luke Cage. Sure. After losing his home, his bar, finding out the truth about the death of his wife and being mind-controlled by Kilgrave, Luke Cage moves to Harlem to work in a barbershop. He hides his powers and works hard to live a normal life. But Harlem is in a battle for control as Cornell Cottonmouth Stokes is trying to seize the borough. Stokes soon realises that Luke is in his way of his bid to take over and uses the power and influence of his sister politician, Mariah Dillard. Things go south for Cornell when he takes more than he gives, and, with a word in her ear from Enforcer Shades, Mariah takes out her rage on Cottonmouth, brutally murdering him. As Luke continues to take down gunrunners and drug dealers with the help of Harlem PD officer Misty Knight, a former friend of Luke's comes out from the shadows to show he's had the power in Harlem all along and is ready to take down Luke. When a battle ensues, Luke soon realises that a bullet has been created that can cause the bulletproof hero some serious damage. Not only that, but his former friend Willis Diamondback Striker has a powerful suit that absorbs any power aimed at him. With the support of Misty Knight and Claire Temple, Luke overcomes the odds to take down the crazed Diamondback. So probably more than any of the shows that we've talked about so far, this, this one probably has the most villains or villainous characters. <laughs> just slightly, yeah. just slightly. And really uh, central and really built up characters in this show as well, I think. 
some. And this is where I will argue with you in, in to a degree. We we obviously had Diamondback um not turning up till the second quarter, the second no, second half of the the show. And I I do remember that we had some issues, probably issues too strong of a word, some feedback based on this character, uh, being striker. Um, and who he is. He was certainly divisive, yeah, like a lot of yes. things on this podcast. Again, I think I mentioned it in our on our Daredevil podcast, uh, having a three-person podcast does mean that one person stands on one side and the other stand sometimes on the opposite side. So, uh, yeah, I know that this definitely divided us, uh, if possible, down the middle. Or yes. Or into thirds. Uh, in into terms thirds, of I think, is the best But the other characters, let's talk about the good ones, the ones that really didn't divide us uh, to, uh, to start with. So, obviously, Cornell Cottonmouth Stokes, feels like he's the main bad guy to begin with. He's fantastically played by Oscar nominee Mahershal Ali. Um, really steps out from a role uh, he formerly played in uh, in House of Cards. He was a main character on that show and then steps over into this central role for Luke Cage. Hadn't really seen him in too much before, but he really brings an intensity and a real history to the character. Um, when we find out how soft Cornell is on the inside... Uh, when we hear that he was supposed to be a musician, he was going off to trying to get a job, trying to go off to Juilliard to learn piano and then was pushed into this life by his aunt and is, has taken it on board. It's the whole reason why he has the music club, because he's trying to keep music central to his life, even though he's a brutal, brutal bad guy. And um, that's kind of the, the, the main character that we think to begin with. And then obviously Mariah Dillard is the is the other um, main main villain of the show. And I'd argue that she is our villain for the show. She goes through all 13 episodes, has the big arc like Kingpin did in Daredevil. Um, and she feels like the one that has the biggest change and has become the biggest villain by the end of the series. I, and I agree. There's no argument here from, from my side. Uh, Mariah, Black Mariah is the true villain of this. Um, it's just not until to like the last quarter of the, the show that you start to feel actually who she is it's you kind of think that oh maybe she's doing this because she feels she has to okay maybe she's not she goes through that character arc as you said from being the the councilwoman who just deals with her kind of untoward uh cousin to being the the actual person who seizes control of the the rival gangs at the end mm-hmm. um she really is she was a fantastic character. The more I just kind of think back about, kind of like I could, I can't wait to see her maybe in Luke Cage season two, but hopefully in Defenders, even a passing cameo, um, where she, we do know there are some gang related elements in the Defenders, mm-hmm. so hopefully she may turn up. I just have um, to see her on like TV in the background doing a speech because she's still a politician or something, you know, just to kind of yes. reference the fact that she's still in control of Harlem. Yeah, I mean, I I think like these two characters, both uh, Cottonmouth and Mariah, um, are they're both fighting the the influence and the strength of their mother or auntie, I think. And you really get a sense at the start, anyway, that it is Mariah who is doing that the the best. She is trying to be a politician, do it through community, mm-hmm. but she's having to deal with her her brother who is. Um, in charge of of the drugs and the guns in Harlem through his club, and gradually o- over the the season, um, you know we we see a few 
back uh, backstories uh, of, of the two of them um, in Harlem with their auntie. And, uh, you know, we, we then start to see Mariah beginning to change. Um, and you understand that Cottonmouth actually is in a place where he doesn't want to be. He isn't the one that's taken on the advice of his guardian, uh, back in the day. Um, and, and really wants to do the music. It's a great, um, thing, as you said, about him trying to maintain that through the club. Mm. And even that his uncle or his stepfather um you know is also um totally consumed by his his wife here um and is killed in the end i think by her or as a result of something that's that's happened through her really trying to influence them to be a a, a, a almost a crime family to to hustle really more than yeah. anything and and it's built up over the years and but we see you know mariah then eventually and um, beginning to take on the mantle of her her auntie, yeah, yeah. Um, and and that arc. I mean, Alfred Woodard uh, does a really um, fantastic job with that arc, and I absolutely love it. And I do think that um, this. I mean, Diamondback is you know the the contrast then that you get with Diamondback, who really just. He comes in all guns blazing, and um, there is no middle ground here. Yeah. He's he's crazed, and he's on a mission uh, to uh, take down Luke Cage and um, and really um, put put the final nail in his coffin. And that is just really interesting. Um, I, the thing about the Diamondback story that I really like is just how he tries to impersonate uh, Luke Cage. You know, we see the the where he shoots the police officers and then Luke is on the run. Um, but yeah, Diamondback is slightly de- divisive here, I think. I mean, you know, the, at the time, there was certainly that aspect of a a series of two halves to some extent. Um, yes. You have a very much this lovely nuance uh, of Cornell Stokes and Cottonmouth uh, and his relationship with Mariah. And you have the barbershop uh, with Luke Cage and that as a, a central hub for the community in Harlem. And you have the, this, the relationships with, with Misty Knight, but it's quite nuanced. Uh, and you just hear of Diamondback uh, within the background. Yeah. Um, uh, you in fact I, see a lot more of Shades, his right hand man, yeah. than, you, than you see of, of Diamondback throughout the show. And with the death of Cottonmouth at the hands of Mariah, there is a, a kind of a change to, to the show. Absolutely. Yeah, Chris, do you want to talk about that? Like that's the that's the shocking moment for this series. And and again, as I say, the show is really based on music, and that's kind of the end of Harlem's Paradise as well. So the show does feel very different after the death of Cottonmouth. Yeah, no, for me this was uh, well, first of all, no, I don't think any of us were really expecting this. Mm-mm. This was a complete left of field. And I remember watching it, three of us, we were we were one of the uh the, the rare now where situations where we watch it together and I remember all three of us turning to each other going did you uh, just, uh, did that just happen like yeah. they just killed their main bad guy okay so maybe it wasn't their main bad guy which is really interesting and I think it basically was Chio Coker kind of putting his as you said his stamp on this mm-hmm. but he was planting his flag going hey everything you know and you think you know about uh, this show it, well, it's not. Yeah. And, and this is not the show you think it is. This is not the characters you think it is. This is not the main antagonist you think it is. 
Absolutely. And I love the fact that he again continues to divert attention away from Mariah Dillard. Like any good politician, she's hiding the fact that she is the big villain. So when Cornell dies, everybody's focused. And I remember, I remember seeing their feedback. I remember hearing other people comment on the show and they moved from Cornell Stokes to Diamondback and went, oh, Diamondback must be the bad guy. We talked about it a bit as well um, as we went through the last couple of episodes and we were kind of moving on to, oh, well, wait, wait till Diamondback comes in. There must be a reason why he's hidden. Maybe it's a huge famous actor that's going to be coming in the show that we don't know about. And meanwhile, Mariah is building up in the background the whole time. I loved that. I thought it was a great yeah, concept for the series. Keep her in the background, give her more and more of the what she craves, which is the power, and then just bring in an enemy for Luke Cage. Um, and you can you can then go and take over the city. I thought that was a, a lovely touch. Yeah, it's very much hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh-huh. Um, looking back on it now, I can see clearly what they were doing, building Mariah the way she was, and um, building her into this villain that will go across the next season or potentially defenders. Mm-hmm. But in the time at the time, I know we were very much okay. Where is Where's Diamondback? Who is he going to be? Because we had this uh, preconceived notion of what had happened with Daredevil and Kingpin. Um, But I I want to take us on a a slightly different tact. I want to bring us to Miss Knight. Absolutely. I remember so much of loving this character, uh, especially now, again, looking back on it, how that, that one scene where she is explaining or with the other fellow uh, the uni- police uniformed police officers um, how hard it is to be a police officer in a world where people are super powered now, where there is the Avengers, where you have Iron Man and Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Like I remember that scene. That's still such an amazing thing. Yeah. And I want to discuss that, but the one thing I do want to remind people is she still has both arms at the moment, which yes. is really interesting. <laughs> my they really played at that towards the end of the season. Um, yeah. I really love the character. Mr. Nice is a cool as hell character. Um, but they really played with it. I think that the last four episodes of the show, she has some form of, uh, of ailment with her arm that she's checking it. She's being told by Claire Temple, if she doesn't go to the doctor soon, she may lose the arm. Um, you know, there's loads of different points where, uh, where they're playing with the expectation of comic book fans that she's going to lose that and then become the Misty Knight we know from the comic books, which is just, just them having loads of fun with us, really. Yeah, definitely. And she plays really well. And it's the same with Claire Temple with Luke. Um, because like he is, he, Luke is this kind of stoic figure, really. He's, you know, he's very serious in many respects, but uh, both Misty and Claire, to an extent over time, you know, that they are the ones to kind of, you know, pull out um, and lighten him uh, a bit. Mm. And I I think uh, Simone Missick, who plays Misty Knight, is fantastic. I'm really excited to see um, her in The Defenders. and obviously Claire Temple is reprising her, her role and, and th- uh, character in her through line between all of the different series. And mm-hmm. um, it focuses on Claire and Luke protecting her very much uh, here. Yeah, we um, definitely got more of Claire Temple as a character in this show. Um, she tended to be a character that reacted to Matt Murdock in the first season. She was helping with Jessica Jones and Luke Cage uh, in the Jessica Jones series. And in this series, you tend to find out much more about her. She's um, she's going back to visit her mother to get out of 
Hell's Kitchen because of everything that's gone on and then walks straight into Luke Cage's life, um, which is, <laughs> I think it's great having much more of Claire Temple. This is probably her best for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, this show is probably the best we've seen of, of Claire Temple of all the times we see her in all the other shows, I think. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, I, but I, I think with, with uh, just coming back to Misty Knight, I think her being a detective in, um, you know, the, the police force in Harlem and that, that role in terms of what she has to, to fight against and how she is investigating Luke, who really has had all this suspicion thrown on him, uh, by Diamondback, uh, in a way of trying to get the police ultimately to do his dirty work and, and Misty sort of, you know, realizing it's not that simple and, 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 I think that's a really important kind of through line here uh, of her as a police officer and detective in um, the Harlem police force working with uh, like there's Bailey yeah. um the forensics guy. Yeah. Played by Justin Swain, who we got to interview. Actually. Yeah, absolutely. And the scarf, obviously who's the double dealer mm-hmm. um, as well. And her having to deal with that kind of betrayal. So she, uh, I'm really looking forward to, as I say, to seeing her in The Defenders. Obviously, there are Daughters of Dragons being uh, uh, posited uh, as a possibility with Colleen Wing. So, and she has been confirmed for season two of Iron Fist. Yeah, working with Colleen Wing. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Again, with Misty, I, I remember kind of seeing Simone Missick and having a complete man crush on this woman. <laughs> You're allowed to have a man crush on a woman. Chris. You actually got Misty over Misty Knight, didn't I you? I did. You really I did. did. This this. The character Simone Missick plays in this is just fantastic. I, mm-hmm. I, I can't give it enough. There are some points where you're a bit like, come on now, Misty, get it together. You're you're letting things kind of spiral out of control. But again, we introduced the character across 13 episodes. Chio Croker built her in such a way and then built her. I'm, it was a combination of both Simone Missick and obviously Chio Croker, the writing and the, the actor themselves. But when she was lying in the basement of Harlem's Paradise mm-hmm. um, and you saw her losing the arm or potentially losing the arm <laughs> and kind of having to battle that I'm a cop, I should be out there. And then you see Claire going, sit the hell down. Like that was the, the ultimate arc of when she even lets Luke go towards the end and then arrest Luke. Yeah. Like you see this huge arc I'm from going, remember in the very first or second episode where she sleeps with Luke. Mm-hmm. And that was like, we were like, Whoa, 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 what just happened here? <laughs> like, you're cheating on Danny's... You're cheating on Danny's woman. Well, Danny's not even in the picture yet, so I yeah. suppose it's okay. Um, yeah, it was very interesting. Yeah. And a great character. I, I, I do I just love that idea that they... that Just like anybody else who meets at a bar, they end off sleeping together, and then it just happens that this is Luke Cage, and it's a really important character for, for the rest of, uh, of Misty. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the other thing is we do get some flashback to uh, Luke's time in prison mm. uh, and his genesis into the bulletproof uh, man of steel. Oh, that's not necessarily the right phrase I should be nope. using, but uh, the man with unbreakable skin. And there's a great little nod to the tiara and cuffs as well, um, which we get from this. And we get introduced to... Um, Dr. Noah Bernstein, who, mm-hmm. of course, we see uh, making his way into Diamondback's uh, hospital room at the end. So Diamondback, despite being um, beaten in the end by Luke, could be back mm-hmm. yeah, with I mean, skin as hard as diamond uh, <laughs> as well. So um, this is is 
Really nice little uh, through line. Again, with his wife as well, we see that relationship. Um, so that that was good to see that, I think, for, for Luke Cage to get that um, perspective of him in prison, effectively sort of being trained up to be a boxer and a bruiser. Um, and that really then influences his fighting style, uh, you know, in the... And on the streets of, of Harlem. Yeah, yeah. I think they did a good job with the creation of Luke Cage, without a doubt. And, and, and I love the idea of um, of his wife's story changing the more he looked back on it and the more he found out about her, uh, the more you realize that there wasn't the connection between the two of them, that she was effectively playing him and trying to get into his life the whole time under instruction from from other people. Uh, but Dr. Bernstein is, is a very important character. But Dr. Bernstein, excuse me, is, a, is another important character because we talked about it on our Jessica Jones um, podcast that Luke Cage comes back into Harlem with the flash drive that his wife had gotten and that Jessica retrieved um, after the death of Kilgrave. So we do find out more about this flash drive. This was really important throughout Jessica Jones that this this information existed. So what we find is that this flash drive did, didn't just contain the information about um, how Kilgrave came to be and the experiments that were happening on kids. It also create, contained the information about how to uh, how to help Luke Cage and how he got his powers. So we're assuming that this is where Bernstein made a copy of the info from the flash drive. So we're assuming bec- the reason that he comes in to, uh, to Diamondback at the end of the series is because he has now discovered the way to recreate what's happened with Luke Cage. So Diamondback, as you say, could come back even more powerful the next time we see him. Whether that be in Defenders or in in Luke Cage season two, I, I'm kind of hoping they they don't use Diamondback for Luke Cage season two. Um, I'm hoping we do get a, a more a secondary character um, with potentially some Diamondback. Maybe Diamondback comes in for one episode, mm-hmm. knock the hell out, and then you kind of get <laughs> you, you get Mariah and a secondary character. But um, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I, I suppose. Look, the one thing I. Uh, I, I kind of want to wrap things up and start moving towards where where we ended the characters. Uh-huh. And I suppose the one thing we haven't really talked about is, well, we kind of skirted around, is Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. The actual transformation the character goes through in this series from a man down on his luck, lost his bar, lost his wife, works in Pop's barbershop, to then having to understand that he has to be the defender of Harlem. He is the man that needs to right the wrongs of Harlem and goes through that genesis, as kind of John said. Um, what do you guys think of like Mike Coulter as Luke Cage? We, as you, we'd seen him in Jessica Jones, we knew the type of character and the man he would play, but we kind of got a, a much deeper appreciation for it now. What do you guys think? Yeah, the show definitely added a lot more to the character of Luke Cage that we've seen in the past. It, it's interesting to see him uh, away from Jessica Jones because in that show it was much more of how he's reacting to being in the life of Jessica Jones. Um, this is him on his own and, and we see a lot more of of what Luke Cage is. I also think for the show itself, it was taking on a lot of huge themes. Um, 
you know, the idea of we've said we've said it on the podcast and got quite deep on it. But the idea of black culture in the US at the time, um, there was a lot of shootings happening, a lot of kids being shot by police officers. And you now have a black superhero who can't be hurt by bullets. You know, the, yeah. it, it was they absolutely took that concept. There was definitely, definitely the Trayvon Martin um, uh, incident that happened in the US. There was definitely reflected within the show because Luke Cage is a kid wearing, well, a, a young man wearing a, uh, a hooded top and getting shot at. So they definitely weren't weren't uh, straying away from those big ideas within the show. Absolutely, and I think that even comes back. I think, as I said before, with. Misty Knight, uh, you know, a black lady, uh, anchored in the police to, with absolutely positive, uh, and, and good intentions mm-hmm. being asked to chase down a black man, um, who is on the run and with a community, uh, whose, uh, outrage and, uh, voice, um, is in, is rising, uh, against um the behavior of, mm-hmm. of the police and i think that those two elements um in terms of seeing those both sides as well as the the community reaction i think is is massively um important and it was great that they you know a comic book tv series a superhero tv mm-hmm. series could bring these contemporary elements into it and really work it into the story absolutely and one of the other elements that they brought in in the themes of the show was the nature versus nurture question the idea of cornell versus mariah mariah was being pushed towards a life of education uh, cornell wanted that life but was being pushed towards a life of crime um even though they were both pushed in opposite directions, they effectively flip by the end of episode seven. Um, Mariah has now become the criminal and uh, Cornell still just wants to be a musician, still just wants to go into the life of education and gets killed by Mariah for pushing her too far. Um, then you have Luke versus Diamondback. They're supposed to be brothers. Um, they're, paternal brothers. They're, they're paternal brothers, exactly. Um, there is the involvement of Luke's father, obviously. Um, but yeah, going two completely opposite directions down back willing to rip apart and blow a hole in Harlem just to kill Luke Cage, Luke Cage rebuilding the city of Harlem after, after uh, the attacks, you know, um, I did like those kind of contrasts between the characters. Throughout yeah, the show. absolutely. Yeah. I thought that was quite cool. Let's close out this bit about season one of Luke Cage to, with where he was at the end of that season, where everybody was at the end of that season before we go on to the defenders. Yeah. Um, so Black Mariah has seized control of Harlem. Mm-hmm. Um, she, the criminal element of Harlem are under her control while still leading that double life as Mariah Dillard, the councilwoman. And herself and Shades are totally together, right? Yeah, Theo Rossi and she, as Shades. We, we barely touched on them, but wow. Well, enough, enough said, just wow. He was great. Yeah, and I think not only with with shades. Um, and I remember when we were also wondering whether he had, um, you know, lasers behind his eyes, and <laughs> so on because he was wearing the shades that he had some kind of superpower potentially that he was trying to hide and, and keep under wraps. But but also Eric, uh, Mariah's PA and, and sort of campaign lead, mm. where he really is absolutely loyal to her and says. I will get these things done. Yeah. Um, you know, where like a proper henchman. Yeah, real henchman. I, I love that little um that little conversation that they have in her house where he says, Well, what do you want me to do? I'll arrange it. Um I think yeah. it's where Mariah looks to tail Misty Knight, I think. Um and, and that whole um kind of storyline. Yeah, yeah. So 
uh, that's a, an, another little thing that you know she she's got her um support around her as, as she sees control definitely mm-hmm. our titular character is now back in the slammer at the end of this series um, which is very unique shocking yeah yeah that was shocking he saves the city of harlem he's surrounded by all of the people that we've met in the city from the start of the of the series and then they uh the the fbi guys i think it is come in and go um sorry you broke out of prison we need to bring you back um yeah you know and it's and the final scenes are of him driving through the city of harlem um as he's taken off back back to prison again yeah. yeah, which is which we I don't think any of us would have expect. The part of this that I'm I'm more interested in is how he gets out. How is he that we see in the trailers for Defenders he is stepping off a bus. Mm-hmm. We don't know if that's stepping off the bus pre or post prison. Um so is he broken out again? Is uh, Misty come and kind of kind of bring him out? We we have no idea. Well, so it's Claire quite does interesting. does have a lawyer friend now that can help her out. She does. So let's see where that and happens. A billionaire friend with a law firm on retainer. That's true. And and, uh, and, uh, and a woman who can fly. Was, and all the information that was left in Pop's barbershop that get, that could get Luke off. Um, that was all. That's all there. There's all definitely the ability to get him out. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. That's probably our starting point for for Luke. Obviously, is that he is still behind bars at the beginning of that series. So yeah, yeah. Um, and then kind of where we are with. Diamondback, he's in hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, Bernstein has, as John has already mentioned, has is visiting him, um, and that's really it. And then we have oh, we, we are given uh, Derek, as you said, we're given understanding to understand that Bernstein has made a copy of the flash drive, uh, the yellow flash drive that Jessica retrieved, and then that Luke brought into this series with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then of course we've got Misty, who's uh, kind of there she's been she saved uh the help save the day towards the end of the episode mm-hmm. and ho- she's obviously going to be in this next series with uh hopefully with some form um of appearance i'm hoping more than just a cameo yeah. hopefully she's just more kind of a, a bit more like claire and colleen we'll get a we'll get a few a couple of scenes, more than just one scene with her in the Defenders. Yeah, and kind of the big thing with Misty is that she is at odds with the police force now. After all of uh, after yeah. everything has gone on, um, we know we see her interviewing uh, Jessica. So uh, in in uh, the trailer for Defenders, so we know she is still involved in the police force. Um, she does have an interview moment, and that's where Mass and, and Jessica meet. So she's definitely still involved in the police force, but she do, she is at that point of questioning everything that's going on. The people above her um, are, are under control of many other people. So she's starting to question her need to be uh, to be on the force. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's a if there's a good storyline for Misty within within Defenders. Yeah. So guys, uh, overall, um, I have to from my side. I obviously want to get yours. Mm-hmm. Um, like I I really enjoyed Luke Cage. Um, there was some elements I enjoyed less um and if you want to find out what ones those are please go back and listen to all 13 episodes of our uh, kind of spoiler filled recaps nice promotion chris yeah thank you thank you no overall it was good i think potentially for me the larger thing with this show was the the comment on society at this point in at that point in time that snapshot mm. while still telling a marvel netflix universe 
story and a good one at that. Mm-hmm. There was some ups and downs, but we did finally get to see, as John said, the man himself in the tiara and bracelets looking like a damn fool. There you go. So what do you guys think? <laughs> For me, this is a show about theme without a doubt. Uh, you know, the, the, the kind of the interesting thing, as I say, is a show run by a person who loves music so much and it's all about theme, you know, musical themes. Um, but it is fascinating. There's so much stuff that's going on in the show. I think this is probably of all of the shows. This is probably the slowest. Um, it's the show that's, that's more deliberately paced than any of the shows. Uh, I've heard a lot of, uh, a lot of comments from, from, uh, people, some of the listeners who dropped off this series because they weren't uh, able to, the, the pacing wasn't the kind of the same as other shows. We commented that it was the one show that didn't have huge cliffhangers at the end of every episode. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it thinking back and looking back on episodes of this show some of the characters that are in here are some of the best in the in the marvel universe um and i've really really enjoyed spending time with them over the series and the music got me through so much just wonderful moments uh jadana on stage singing long live the long live the chief um the perfect moment to encapsulate who the character of Cottonmouth is uh done through music it's 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 fabulous really 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 enjoyed the show yeah, I really enjoyed, uh, Luke Cage. I think, um, primarily just the, as you say, Derek, the themes that run through it. Um, but I, I just think the, those, those contrasts and, and swap overs between, uh, the likes of Cornell and Mariah. And um, I absolutely love Cottonmouth. I loved his kind of fairly tragic, uh, story and then obviously getting killed by, by his own sister. Um, and I, I just think them swapping roles. I think Luke is as this stoic hero, um, who is finding his way. He's been through a loss. And the reveal of, um, his wife through, through his memories, uh, you know, working with Dr. Noah Bernstein. It's a real cutting moment for Luca as he, you know, the, 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 the lovey dovey element of what he thought between him and his wife really starts to come into focus. There are a few moments I think for me were, you know, I, I think because of just the pacing of it, uh, to begin with up to probably episode eight or nine and then just the sheer crazy chaoticness of Diamondback coming in. It felt a little jarring that I think mm. initially, like he, he was very much, um, over the top, uh, which felt at odds with, with what, uh, the show had delivered up till that point. But I mean, uh, still you cannot take away, uh, just how, uh, quality this entire series uh, was um, and uh, yeah I really enjoyed it. Okay so let's get on to our updated recap of Luke Cage after the Defenders. So as I mentioned earlier on there are a few things that changed at the end of the season we talked about in uh, the podcast about season one we talked about the fact that Luke Cage ended off being in prison we wondered how they'd get him out uh, the first big thing is this was the first big crossover between characters that happened in The Defenders. We have Foggy Nelson working for Hogarth Charon Benowitz, and he's the one that gets Luke Cage out of prison in The Defenders. A great little scene there between the two of those where uh, at the end, Foggy tells Luke Cage that he's uh, he's called Foggy. That's the name that he chooses. And Luke looks at him and goes, you actually let people call you that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he also confirms he's now going by Luke Cage. He's not going by his original name, Um as he leaves prison to Foggy, this is his name. He has chosen Luke Cage. That is a change from season one where we found out his past, uh, that he is now going by the name of Luke Cage. It's a good name. 
It, it's almost as good as mm-hmm. Jessica Jones, but let's not leave. I, I won't go there. This is his show. This is his time to shine. Mm-hmm. And speaking of old JJ, he Luke has now actually patched things up with Jessica. So even to the point where he asks her for coffee, which is, he's got a clear temple. He's got a night nurse. Yes. I, um, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't like our lusty Luke, if you will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And of course, not only is he on, at least speaking terms with Jessica Jones now, um, but he's he's kind of got a swagger going on in Harlem. Really see um, in the defenders that everyone in Harlem recognizes him. He's you know he's almost famous as this person who will stop crime. And of course, in the defenders, we really see, and it's part of how these interconnected stories come together. At least for Luke Cage's part, it's him going out trying to stop criminals, uh, gangs. Um, and, and kingpins, I suppose, of these gangs. Hmm. Uh, it, it's because of that that it, it connects in with um, the the other aspects of Iron Fist uh, and Jessica Jones and, of course, uh, Daredevil through the hand. Um, he's there out trying to make Harlem a safe place. Yeah. Um, but again, there's also that sort of tension with the police about what is he trying to do uh, as well yeah. uh, with Misty Knight. So it's something now that we see him being you know, pretty, pretty well known on the streets uh, and people seeing that kind of hero to, to look up to yeah. whilst he is still trying to uh, make those streets safe for everyone in Harlem. And he kind of used that to his benefit in in the Defenders, where he was investigating uh, a crime that had happened, a murder that had happened, uh, and he was using the fact that he was famous, the fact that people knew what he was capable of to get that investigation forwarded. So I think they're, they're definitely going to be taking that on to season two of Luke Cage, and um, that he is now well known in Harlem as the protector of Harlem. Don't mess with Harlem or you're messing with Luke Cage kind of thing. Yeah, it's that whole thing again where he is quite open that he is the superhero, yeah. uh, you know, compared to, say, Daredevil, who mm-hmm. keeps his identity secret. And, and indeed, then there's Jessica Jones, who really doesn't give a shit. <laughs> but it is known. She is known. Yes. As is Danny Rand, but obviously his alter ego is uh, not so well known. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of Danny Rand, another big, huge moment for all of us comic book fans that happened during The Defenders is the meeting of Luke and Danny. Uh, I loved how they how they dealt with this. We had the kind of privileged white guy in uh, in Danny Rand meeting up with Luke Cage, kind of like a, a little lost puppy trying to find a new friend in, in Luke Cage. I love the interplay between the two of them because... Luke is instantly pushing against this kid. He's kind of going, you are not the type of person I would hang around with. But by the end of the show, they really do find a good balance between the two of them. They find that kind of relationship that we love from the comic books where these two can possibly go and be good friends and work together in the future. I think there's certainly a willingness from Danny to to connect in with Luke. I think Danny hears what Luke has to say about his his wealth and his his money and what that can can give him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's certainly a little bit of a rocky road here. Steps are made by Danny in the Chinese restaurant, you know, bringing everyone together uh, with food uh, mm-hmm. and certainly giving his last um, dumpling to to Luke, which was very cute. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course. Uh, the fact that 
Danny Rand gets tied up again to kind of protect him uh, from himself to some extent, mm-hmm. uh, to protect him from the hand who are trying to get hold of him to open up uh, that door um, that requires the iron fist. And again, it's Luke that is asked to watch over him. And, and whilst things are tense though, you know, things have broken down a bit that there's a gradual uh, realization through the chit chat that they have, um, you know, that there's a bit of common ground here. And so definitely um, we are expecting to see some Danny Rand heroes for hire esque type uh, events in season two of Luke Cage, or at least I am, mm-hmm. or at least I want them to be. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm. I'm pretty sure where we're gonna get that because, unfortunately, spoilers. we do uh, during the Defenders a certain uh, Misty Nice does become more comic book accurate as she mm-hmm. loses her arm. Oh yeah. Um, it's Colleen, Misty, and Claire Temple have teamed up in the Defenders. They're 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 kind of the the, the trio, and uh, yes, unfortunately, so Missy does lose her arm. But at the end of it, of the season of the Defenders, what we do get is uh, a a brush away comment about how uh, Danny Rand has a biotics department and can possibly get her an arm. So, diverging from the comic books, where it was Tony Stark giving a Stark Tech. Uh, arm to Misty Knight. I am assuming mm-hmm. in this season, what we will end up getting is midpoint, maybe. Danny, he'll come in to help Luke, but at the same time to, to deliver Misty a biotic arm with gadgets and tech with wizardry and everything in between. Exactly. And if this was in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we'd actually probably have Rocket Raccoon coming in with one of his stolen arms <laughs> that he's <laughs> taken from somebody else to give to Misty. But I, re- I do like that change. I think it makes a lot of sense with Danny's access to all of his wealth and the research side of his company. You know, it does make a lot of sense to have him be the one to give Misty the arm. Um Tony walking in out of nowhere and giving her the arm would have been nice a couple of years ago when we thought these were going to cross over a bit more with the movies, but can't really imagine that they'd have Robert Downey Jr. walking on the set of of, uh, of this show. Um, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's a good change. Definitely. It makes sense. It's just that we haven't really been told that Danny Rand or Rand Industries is as technologically advanced as Stark Industries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... It's more. It's much more of a pharmaceutical. More pharmaceuticals, holdings, that type of thing. Danny mm-hmm. uh, Rand Industries. So they'll need to make this slightly plausible. In that, yeah. hey, we've actually had this research department working with biotics and for amputees for years. Here is the the, the ultimate prototype that we have. I want you to have right. the, like. So they'll just need to explain it. But I, I have tr- I have faith here. Yeah, and I must say it was hugely exciting to see Misty and Colleen and Claire Temple working together in in The Defenders. It's always cool to see these characters working together, and they felt like they were their own defenders. Uh, this The Daughters of the Dragon joining up, these three women fighting the hand in their own way, completely differently and separately from The Defenders. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, these three ladies are on screen in Season 2 of Luke Cage, and I, I expect... Um, they will come together at yeah. some point. Yeah, definitely. So, gentlemen, is there anything else that came out of the Defenders that we need to know for uh, going into Season 2 of Luke Cage? I think we've really still got Luke Cage here as, in effect, a man of peace. Yes, mm. he will use his um, fists, he will brawl, he will kick, he will headlock, half Nelson, full Nelson, a foggy Nelson. But, <laughs> uh, you know, he is certainly 
reluctant to kill anyone um, because of his principles that were have come from prison to some extent, but mm-hmm. also through um, the barbershop and, and just that 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 ethos and morality that has come through the community um, and this sense of justice yeah. uh, that he would prefer to put them behind bars and get justice and everything uh, brought out in the wash uh, of that, you know, a court case or, or whatever, rather than using lethal uh, violence. Yeah, yeah. It was quite interesting to have him in that contrary position to the rest of the defenders when they were going in to blow up the building where uh, where the hand, where, um, where he was the one taking the point of view that, well, we don't want to kill anybody here. Why Why would we use huge bombs to destroy this building? People may die. That's not what Luke Cage is about. So it's good to have him as that kind of moral point of view. I loved the reaction from Jessica, which was basically, I just want this done. I want to get out of this whole situation and get back to my real life. Um, I love that kind of attitude between between the two of them. And she is the closest to him. Uh, and obviously, that's where he started out was in Jessica Jones season one. So it's good to have that kind of interplay between those two characters as well. I'd love to see her appear in season two. As we said, they've mended their relationship. I'd love to have a moment in season two where we have her turn up, but I don't think she's going to. I think the only crossover we're going to get is, as we mentioned, Danny uh, coming in for an episode to give that arm to Misty Knight. Uh, I think that's the only crossover we're going to actually get because it feels like Luke's story in season two is going to be much more about him, much more about Misty and um, Colin Wing, I believe, will probably pop in as well uh, in season two. But uh, I don't think we're going to see any of the other big players. Yeah, I mean, it's it's in the same way that Luke Cage didn't feature in, in any way for season two of Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that was a shame given that he was introduced through Jessica Jones season one yeah. and they had that, uh, rapport as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and given the, the comic books where these two are a couple, yeah. um, it would be nice to see Jessica Jones there, but obviously, yeah, he's got Claire Temple at the moment. Um, so we'll just see how that develops, but we're not expecting to see. Uh, JJ in season two of Luke Cage. Yeah, I, I really do think that the uh, focus of this season is going to be about the the, the fall of the famous, if you will. So mm-hmm. Luke Cage now is famous in Harlem. He is the protector of Harlem. He has a target on his back. So, like, if you know someone is co- consistently unbreakable, you're going to end up having this string of people trying to break him. You're also going mm-hmm. to be, when you're that famous, when you're that, when you are the face of Harlem, what happens when you fall? And I think yeah. that's going to be the interesting part, which is like throughout the Defenders, he it was noted, he, cocky is the wrong word, but you can see there's an element here of where Luke Cage relies too much on the legend that, that is Luke Cage. So. Yeah. Yeah, what is that. going to happen when that legend is no more? Yeah. yeah, he certainly plays on his reputation, and certainly even from the, I think the trailer, you know, there is an element of give it all you've got, guys. You know, you're yeah. not gonna, you're not gonna touch me um, in that sense. Absolutely, really good to point out to your fellow defenders that because of a big spoiler that was in one of the trailers for Jessica Jones, Chris is not watching the trailers uh, coming up to season two no. of Luke Cage. Um, is that is that right, Chris? I think the marketing, the marketing department spoiled something quite big for you last time, so you're kind of burnt on the on. I am. I, I, I'm not this type of person, um, but this has been. So what I saw, what I've seen of Luke Cage season two is 
is it really a trailer the one where he's in the sports field and he's it's like the teaser trailer I suppose that was what we got yeah. where he flings the tire down the end of the kind of like an NFL training session yeah exactly that was that is what I have seen yeah. the internet being the internet and Facebook being Facebook feed being Facebook feed and Derek being Derek <laughs> yeah I do I have seen some things that are happening I'm assuming such as I know who the the main villain is mm-hmm. But that is about it. I have not seen who or what or why. This is going to be an interesting one. I've never gone in blind, Mm -hmm. if you will. But let's wait and see. This will either help or hinder the experience. Time will tell. Absolutely. And we don't really do a defend of the season when we're doing these kind of recap discussions. This is really just about how defenders impacted Luke Cage. But Chris, what do you think from the show? Do you think there's a couple of big impacts that happened to Luke Cage? Is it something that you have to watch before season two of uh, of Luke Cage, do you think? Or could you skip it? I would recommend that they don't skip it. Mm-hmm. I think this is one big universe. While some people did not enjoy the defenders, I still think it moved the characters forward in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I would recommend watching it. It's eight episodes, short. You're going to be in and out. You're you're going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I think that like between now and the twenty second, you've got loads of time. One a night. You you um, one every two days. You're fine. There you go. But I do think it's going to get you to a point where you'll understand a bit more what's going on, the relationships, the 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 pieces there. That being said, these seasons, these shows are made somewhat standalone so if you do not have time if you do not feel like going back to defenders you're gonna be okay yeah yeah i think the big one really is the end of season one had him going off to prison and season two he's gonna be out of prison that's that was all done in a big scene at the beginning of uh, of the defenders if you don't know that if you're just literally watching through 13 episodes of luke cage season one and go on to the next season you're probably going to be going, hang on a second, that was quite a big moment for Luke getting taken off to prison at the end of that season. How's he out? Um, So I presume that's probably the big piece. Uh, We did talk about it on our season one recap. It was uh, kind of mentioned in dialogue by Foggy that it was the file that uh, Bobby Fish had uh, in inside the barbershop. He found that and worked with um, Hogarth Chow and Benowitz to get Luke out. So it was that file that got him out of prison, but it was a real throwaway kind of line. I wonder, will they revisit that at the start of season two, just to give a bit more in-depth for those people that are watching Luke Cage as a series? I think they will. I think they're going to have to. I think what we'll probably get is an opening within the first 20 minutes of episode one. We'll have Foggy come back. And a quick meeting. I was like, here's an update on your case because I'm your lawyer and I got you out of jail. Something along those lines. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, and will there be any reference to uh, Avengers Infinity War? <laughs> That's an interesting one. I don't Probably think so. Probably not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think so. I think uh, the decision that Marvel TV have taken on things like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., for example, putting it into next summer uh, for the next season of the show uh, after Avengers 4 comes out, kind of means that all of these Netflix shows, even though they're being released before Avengers 4 comes out, I think none of them will be connected to Infinity War. I think they'll all take place before the events of that movie so that they can avoid having to explain it at all until we've seen the impact of it. And I don't want to spoil it here because some people don't watch the movies either until they come out in Blu-ray. So so there is a huge impact. It will have an impact. But I think Marvel Netflix particularly are going to take it as we may have to mention in the line of dialogue after Avengers 4 comes out. So that means Jessica Jones season three, 
Daredevil season four, possibly Luke Cage season three, Iron Fist season three. I think they may mention in a line of dialogue in those shows that something happened, but I think they will avoid it as much as possible until uh, Avengers four comes out. I think what will end up happening is when Avengers Force comes out, it retcons the Affinity War, so they no one ever needs to mention it again. Yeah, Amazing. and I think that was probably what we'll get is, hey, did you hear the green guys back? Oh, the guy with um, Captain Shield uh, America or Captain Shield is no longer with America. We'll get that. We're not going to mention them directly by name. But we're going to make insinuate as a, a dropped line, that's kind of thing, that this has happened. Yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, I'm definitely looking forward to um, Luke Cage Season 2. I really want to see Luke Cage gets, you know, another 13 episodes, how he develops. Also, there's Black Mariah uh, and Shades of course. as well. Yeah. Fantastic to see how they interact. And, of course, we do know that there will be another big uh villain here plus we've still got the doctors you know the evil frankenstein-esque doctors working on uh bulletproof skin you know what's happened to them and of course we will have um the lovely sort of daughters of the dragon type lineup here uh with misty colleen and claire temple Mm -hmm. and of course a little bit of heroes for hire as well with hopefully the emergence of of Danny Rand. So really looking forward to this. Uh, we would love to hear what your thoughts are on Luke Cage Season 2. Please head on over to our Facebook group, uh, as we talked about earlier, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Defenders TV podcast. Come and join us over there. Join the Defenders community uh, and, and you can talk about all the things you're excited about and any of the discussions uh, when the episodes uh, are released on the 22nd of June with the spoiler posts. And of course, if you want to send it by email, uh, then feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. And of course, as Chris mentioned earlier, we have a voicemail. So if you want to get your uh, voice on, over on the airways, go to DefendersTVPodcast.com and on the right-hand side you'll see the Leave Voicemail tab and you can leave up to 90 seconds of your thoughts uh, on all things Luke Cage and Luke Cage Season 2. Excellent, yeah, really looking forward to talking about Luke Cage. We didn't even get the chance to mention how awesome the music was in Season 1. We mentioned it in our recap. The big thing for Season 2, they already released seven or eight artists that are going to appear on the show doing songs in the show. This is something so unusual for the Defender shows that have been on Netflix. But this is such a focus of Chio Coker and was so good in Season 1. Didn't really replicate it as much for the Defenders, that idea of the bands and the music of Harlem being so influential on the show. But I'm really excited to see some of these artists on Luke Cage Season 2. Can't wait to start binging it from from June 22nd. Yeah, no, really looking forward to it. I know you're going to have that Spotify playlist ready for us. It's day one, so it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be releasing two episodes a week from the 22nd. But as you know, this is all for your own pace. If you want to binge ahead, go for it. Just remember that not everyone does watch every episode over the course of the week release weekend. So if you are putting any notes out or any posts, just mark up what episode you're talking about so we don't spoil us, your lovely host, or even your other fellow defenders. I know it's a bit of cringy because it makes you have to do it every time, but just think, would you like to be spoiled? And that is the question. Mm-hmm. But watch along at your own pace. 
come listen to us at your own pace we will have two episodes every week for you and it's gonna be good so just make sure that you pop over to DefendersTVPodcast.com and go subscribe so that you make sure you get every episode as we release it. Absolutely. Really looking forward to getting back, fellow Defenders. Talk to you on the 22nd of June. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, as always, for listening. And we will speak with you very soon on the 22nd of June. Yes, thank you so much. Sweet summer. Sweet, sweaty summer. Bye. I'm holding back.